1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
2: Hello and welcome to Daisy is Insatiable. I'm Daisy Buchanan, the author of Insatiable, a love story for greedy girls. Together, we're going to be exploring love, lust, appetite, identity and everything that makes sex thrilling, fascinating and bewildering. My guest is the poet Holly McNish. Holly is a winner of the Poetry Society's Ted Hughes Award and has grown a huge and devoted following because of her amazing ability to take every aspect of our lives, our bodies, our sorrows and joys and make them beautiful. She's written about breastfeeding and other bodily functions and she's written about yearning, desire and the emotions that make us shrink and soar. So we talked about masturbating. Holly is thrillingly and deliciously frank. I can't stress this enough. It's a conversation that you may not want to share with young ears, although Holly does have some really brilliant thoughts about how we can talk about self-love with the young people we love in a real and meaningful way. I think... I would really like to start by your um, description of masturbation, which I love so much. I've got it open here. I told her sometimes when I touch my own body in ways that I like, I feel tingly inside, like a bubbling bath or a really good poo. (laughs) I'm really curious about how you've able to talk about pleasure in a language that's so universal that it's not just universal to your, you know, adult reader's. people who connect with that experience but you know that is how you explain to everyone that's a a beautiful way to explain it to young children
3: yeah thanks a lot I guess that poem that that was from is specifically about that I guess just get really um I don't get annoyed because I totally understand why people wouldn't want to talk to their kids about stuff or why they I don't know a lot of people I know go back to the kind of mummy and daddy have sex to make a baby kind of sentence which I find is actually really unhelpful to to kids I I don't like it at all and I guess having had a kid my daughter's now 10 and I've told her about masturbation and I've told her about not that these things are too like linked so much but things like periods or or what sex is in terms of what people say sex is or what pornography is and all that sort of stuff and just seeing that it doesn't have any hopefully negative effects on her at all i find it amazing all the sort of fuss about talking about things like that like i don't really know what people think it's going to do if we're just a bit more honest with our kids but yeah so that poem i was trying to think of ways to describe uh, masturbation i just think it's amazing and it's great <laughs> co- i cannot get over the fact that it is, it cost no money it's like nothing to be honest, it costs a tiny bit of money for me because I normally use coconut oil. But apart from that,
0: <laughs> <Pretty
3: excellent. laughs> but yeah, it's totally it's totally free. It's totally environmentally friendly. It's like I can't believe that we've shamed this thing that is like the safest form of sex or the safest form of pleasure that anyone can have. But I guess that's why. I feel it's so I find it so weird that we're so scared of sort of talking about masturbation to kids, or I, f- I feel like it should be like the first thing on sex ed curriculum at school. The fir- it's just like to start with yourself rather than to start with pleasing other people just seems so obvious. And I'm so annoyed that that's not how my sex education went because I genuinely think it would have changed a lot of my teenage and early
2: 20s. I agree completely and entirely. And I think that, you know, even when you're 10, you're already getting those really toxic messages where it's like sex is none of your business and not for you and don't ask us but here are some hints that it's very it's going to be very important you need to present yourself in a certain way you will need yeah. to be sexual you need to prepare it's all for other people it's something that people will put on you and to take something back and to think about it from the inside out is vital and you know, I think as well about yeah. when I was a teenager and some of the choices I make I started early and often, and I sort of figured it out for myself, um which was you know I think a gift and a joy and I think some of the other experience I had would mean sex would just be wholly miserable if I hadn't figured out how to how to make myself come you know yeah. sort of in my very 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 early teens but but see you know what you're looking for in terms of Affection and romance and relationships and all of the awful things that we normalise, I think, for for girls and women especially and tell them sort of to put up with. And if you know you can sort yourself out, then it it takes the edge off. You're not off in pursuit of sad things, and mediocre things.
3: Totally. And I think also there's like the next step, because I remember I was a bit later, I think, I think I was about 15 so I definitely tried to, like, please a guy before I did myself, like, before I had an orgasm. But even, like, even if everyone... Because I think a lot of, well, from what I've read, a lot of girls and women, straight girls and women, basically, it seems to be heterosexual relationships where this is a real thing, give a guy an orgasm before they've given themselves one. Not all of them, of course, but even the fact that it's some is really crap, I think. But even when I did know how to, like, get myself off or please myself, I was still petrified of telling my boyfriend. remember the first guy when I was, like, 17 that asked me if he was, like, fingering me right, basically. And it was horrendous. Like, it was, it was really rubbish. It was, like, yeah, just, just copying what sort of... Pe- you know penetrative sex you'd seen on romantic comedies with your fingers like it's never that's not really ever gonna do it for me unless I'm already very very turned on but I was really worried to tell him because there was so much stigma even if you did masturbate like the girls I didn't know how other girls masturbated I'd never seen anything about it and now that I've read so much like there's so many different ways and I'm sure with men as well but with women more so there's so many different ways that women wank I guess and I thought god what if I say this and then that's not how other people do it or he thinks I'm weird and I remember you know the one girl at my school that admitted that she masturbated was just immediately called a slag or immediately seen as like really provocative really sexual up for it with anyone it was such a thing so I remember thinking right I can tell you And you might not be able to do it. And then I'll have to be like your teacher for the next like six months, you know, or you might get annoyed. Like there's people, like boys that have got annoyed with girls for not coming or coming too slowly or whatever.
2: There's there's just so much shit around sex, basically, growing up. It's so awful, isn't it? That feeling that there's a time limit, then you can't, mm -hmm. how can anyone come when they're just thinking, I'm sorry, is this boring oh, for you? It's taken it's a while. It's so, so shit. And
3: still, on like. I know people talk about porn all the time, and I think there are terrible things to do with porn that people are learning, kids are learning, all sorts of stuff. But I do think it's also, like, romantic comedies, just general TV programmes and stuff as well. Like, that is what taught me to just lie down, take a man's penis for three seconds as if I should orgasm from that like it wasn't actually porn that taught me that uh yeah the timing thing is is horrendous and now like being more in touch with my body like being in my own house I think has been such a major change like having my own space and just realizing that sometimes it's about two minutes and other times like half out or whatever you you know whatever you want but pfft. Yeah, that that timing thing, I did that for fucking years. Like, just thinking, oh, this is going to bore... Like, I'm going to bore this person if I carry on, so I just won't bother. You
2: know, it's Virginia Woolf, isn't it? I think every woman needs a wanking dream of her own. (laughs) Whenever we see it in popular culture, I was thinking about American Pie, and this might be completely unfair of me. I might be remembering the film wrong. It might have been much, much more on it and open-minded. But that scene, that was the, the best example of sex positivity I saw as a teenager, and I still remember the scene, well, I can't remember who's who, but the guy with a long-term girlfriend, that he has, you know, found this secret book in the library and he's going to be instructing yeah. the ancient art of Cunnilingus, and that's somehow, you know, he's like a sort of brave, um, you know, livingstone explorer, <laughs> doing the most, like, generous and <laughs> audacious thing you can, you know, he's, he's going there, blimey, and that you know, whatever it is that she's expected to be sort of orgasmic and grateful instantly.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's so true. I To be honest, American Pie, I think, was where I found out about cunnilingus and and maybe masturbation as well. And obviously there's downsides to the fact that he was just doing it so that somebody else could watch, which is not where I'm at my God, God i forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I always thought it was, it is pretty positive, but I didn't really think about the fact that he's, yeah it's seen as quite a hero but it amazes me that still like recently obviously there's so there's so many series now even ones that are like a 12 that I watch with my daughter where like masturbation is implied in the female character and oh my god it is makes such a difference that sort of thing but even I remember everyone going mad about Bridgerton telling me I had to watch it and I really enjoyed it but I thought Like, this is just so normal. All the sex scenes are so normal. There's, like, one scene where she, like, screams in orgasmic bliss after about 30 seconds and kind of lingers on the stairs. And this is deemed, like, the most forward-thinking, like, sexual TV show in a lot of things that
2: i read. I do think it's interesting that, so when I think of, you know, what women are allowed to talk about being turned on by and, you know, the sort of erotica and how much it's, like, it's in ancient times you're in Rome you're in the Regency period you're in outer space and how that's sort of okay and allowed and we're kind of uh, we can be comfortable with that in a way that we can't when it's a contemporary setting that seems to frighten people.
3: Yeah that's that's really true I guess I've never thought about it that way. The more I look into it to be honest the more I know my own body and the more I sort of let my mind just drift into whatever fantasy it wants the more it just fascinates me how one-sided like just all of our, I guess, all of our censorship and the stuff that you could, the stuff that you could actually put on telly. Been speaking to loads of people, loads of women, basically, in the last like two years, and one of them really stuck out. This like sixty-year-old woman who'd never had an orgasm and had just been told by her husband constantly she needed to relax more um insects, which I've had a
2: few that always tells that know, you out doesn't it when someone tells you to relax
3: oh god but then so I I the thing I guess the thing that gets me about a lot of this stuff at the moment so I got offered there's a t-shirt that's like make a woman come for once that sort of supposedly like positive message but that kind of thing I th- I'm in sort of two minds about it because I don't really think it's very helpful to any of the guys to wear stuff like that yeah because all it does is shame them for not knowing an anatomy that they don't have and don't get me wrong I've not been dating a lot I've had like two long-term relationships really in my life apart from one year of being like single and sexual when I was younger so I've had a lot of girls that like no no no, you don't understand they don't give a shit like there's so many guys that just don't give a shit and they just constantly try to tell me if if friends of mine have said you know I'm really not going to come that way it's just been the kind of oh well everyone else does well you know it's you or whatever like this this idea that most women don't come from just like a minute of a penis going in and out of their vagina still needs to be sort of overturned in society I think but I still think like "Mm, it's just that my sex education was the same as the boys sex education and the the films I watched were the same as the films that the boys watched so I don't I don't think it's very helpful to just say it's squire's not giving a shit because if if I'd have if I'd have had sex the way that I sort of saw telly and sex education showing me and magazines and stuff I don't I don't think I, I would just have thought that I had a had a problem or a low sex drive or I something think, I think as well.
2: You're right. The you know the shame of it is so endemic that it's not that we don't talk about sex sex is everywhere it's just we only see something like super heteronormative as you say it's like it's penetrative it's a bit of curtain it's like whoop there we go and yeah. i do i you know i think you're so right that i I cannot speak for all men most of the men I've known that I've been intimately involved with have wanted that very much you know the mutual pleasure and that's been something they've been really really interested in and don't have the language or space to to communicate that especially when we're younger that's something we've really got to scrabble to to get hold of but yeah it's not fair to expect anyone to know when it is it is complicated there are all kinds of variations there's lots of lots of different stuff going on around there
3: yeah i think and i guess the more you just get rid of the shame the more people wouldn't feel awful just communicating what they wanted but i still i still remember just that absolute fear of just not fitting into the way that i thought i was meant to have sex it's amazing it's just amazing the amount of crap the amount of crap that i read about certain um sort of how to fit my pleasure into that normal idea of sex as well like practicing I used to spend ages like masturbating to like try and get quicker like things like that I'm not ages but just thinking oh I should you know not really enjoying it just like oh well yeah just it's st- yeah it stopped in my late 20s and 30s but <laughs> it's like I am um, I just don't I basically don't want the next generation to go through the same thing like I don't think it's about I don't think it's just about being young and sort of learning about your body and stuff. I don't think it's something that you that you have to go through to then unlearn. I know a lot of people, a lot of women that are like, oh yeah, well you get to your thirties and then you sort of realise this, or it's like, oh, I don't really want my daughter to get to her thirties after.
2: I think it's so much about
3: pleasurable sexual
2: experiences, isn't it? Claiming time and space and knowing that is all ours to claim. I'd love to ask you about. The, the poetry of bodies and because you know, I think reading your poems I see myself and I see the women I know especially in a way that I don't in many places and I'm wondering whether that relationship for you kind of evolved and evolves as you write.
3: Yeah I think probably a little bit of both like I definitely I've got I've got all my diaries from when I was like 12 and looking back to stuff that I wrote when I was that age up to I'd say in my kind of 20s really mid-20s there wasn't really thinking about my body other than its appearance and for me maybe it maybe it was having a baby I think that did it and in a in a kind of negative way but also I think it was the first time I like mistrusted what society told me about my body I'd not really questioned it before As a teenager, I wasn't really I wasn't I didn't really have any terrible things to do with my body. Like I played a lot of sport. I didn't really think about it much in terms of like, oh, I desperately want it to look like this, you know, maybe I wanted bigger boobs or or whatever. But I wasn't really embarrassed about it. Like I came into class most days sweating in a tracksuit and didn't, you know, I like I like those things that my body could do in that way. And I think that sometimes I think that playing a lot of sport like that kind of saved me from thinking about it too much in other ways. I remember being pregnant and especially after, it sort of annoyed me when I was pregnant that people were over positive about a body mm. that I felt really negative in. Um, not about having a baby, but just the, the pregnancy and the sickness and how it looked. And then all I saw in the magazines were like these you know, blooming pregnant models in dresses and stuff on beaches and that kind of image. But then afterwards, I felt like my my body had done this amazing thing, (laughs) really amazing. And that is the most silent I've ever sort of heard society around a woman's body. It was like it no longer had any value at all, especially sexually. I remember afterwards, like looking at my body after I had a baby and just thinking, like, I've never seen a, a, a mother's body in any like, sex scene in a film on any poster unless you just cannot tell that that woman's had a baby I've never seen a cesarean scar I've never seen stretch marks from pregnancy I've never seen breastfeeding boobs or post breastfeeding boobs or anything and I think that was when I started to write more about it and really think about it more because it was just so silent Yeah, just so silent and negative. It amazes me. And obviously people move on to focus on the baby, which you obviously should. But (laughs) at one point, I remember just thinking, like, nobody's talking about my body and it's literally just giving birth. It's leaking milk. It's leaking blood. Like, I'm crying. I felt shit about it, but also amazed by it at the same time. So, yeah, I think it it took just being really fucking angry. (laughs) about that silence to start writing about it more. And I guess the more I wrote about it and the more I shared, because I like sharing stuff online, I I don't really see the point often. If I write stuff that I think other people might relate to, I don't so much see the point of sort of storing it under my bed like I used to, just in case the poem's not good. Or, you know, I'm not really so embarrassed to read stuff if I think it might have any sort of positive effect on other people. Um, Don't get me wrong, there's lots of poems I write and would never share because I just sort of for myself. I guess maybe having a house of my own after separating from my daughter's dad that was one of the first times I had sort of a total space of my own like before that I went from had my own room but it was only a room like in a house or at uni with people banging on the walls all the time or then you know with five housemates and then with a partner and that is definitely basically I had a lot of time to masturbate and realized how amazing it was more amazing than I'd ever thought like I realized it before but just reading about it and the more I wrote about it I guess the more interested I became in my own body and then I'd read more and then when I read more about it like I read a book about all these different ways that women masturbate and then I tried a few of them and I was like Poof, yeah great <laughs> I like a bit more so yeah I think they sort of sort of help help each other really yeah I just I love reading poetry but there is an awful lot of poetry on certain subject matters and they're not really often the subject matters that have blown my mind
1: flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company united healthcare insurance plans offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more one of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care.
1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
2: To be mothered is surely one of the greatest signs of sexual maturity and sexual power. And I wonder if it is so dazzling and mind-blowing that no one wants us no one wants women to know about that
3: i feel like we're really queasy about lots of things to do with sex
2: (laughs) this is a really maybe a really weird
3: thing to say but i wrote about it in slug and it was the main bit i wasn't sure about whether to put in but i remember watching a documentary on channel four before i was a parent about the sort of kink scene of men who like to be like mothered but with sex added so like adult babies adult babies yeah and I know that's it's you know we always choose the extreme of any scene and one of my friends in the kink scene gets really annoyed that this seems to be like you know the (laughs) the headline every time anything to do with the kink scenes mentioned but I remember watching that and just thinking, that's so weird. Oh my God, you know, da da da. And then when I was a mum and like nobody was sort of, I felt like I was just caring for this person and I wasn't getting the same back. I remember thinking, no fucking wonder. Like those, <laughs> those men, like to have even half an hour where somebody's just caring for you like that, stroking you, you know, looking after you is so nice. And as an adult, you obviously have like, sexual feelings added and I was like no that is that is an amazing thing like to have some sort of motherly sexual role as an adult in your life there's loads of similarities loads of things that you know I really I realized I really missed people doing to me because I was doing them as a mum even you know you know when you have a shower and you you, washing someone's hair after the shower and I hadn't really done that to adult, But I remember loving it being done to me as a kid. And I said to my boyfriend one day, God, I think I just really want you to shampoo my hair. And I'd only thought about it because I'd been doing it to my daughter thinking this must be so nice, like getting my hair shampooed, getting a towel, you know, getting cuddled after the shower. But I think we love having this separation between what is like non-romantic or what is sexual or what is just sensual. Obviously, there are lots and lots of obvious boundaries to do with consent. But there's a lot of crossovers that I don't think we like to admit. I remember that I studied massage. So I studied to be like a massage therapist after I left uni. There was such this like, you know, this is where you stop on the body. And we had to, (laughs) for clients, I remember the thing that I thought, this is so odd our culture and not odd but odd it's like so I can massage this stranger's naked body everywhere apart from the most sensitive area because then that is obviously like happy ending and then that goes into the next boundaries if this is not like a normal massage this is like a dodgy massage or whatever people want to call it but to the extent that I had to on a man we had this like flower technique around the nipple but you can't touch the nipple because then that's like a sexual massage and then that's totally different so like, this is so I'm not saying that, you know, that I would be fine. But these, like, boundaries, like, this is okay, this is not okay. And I just remember this one guy's chest and me drawing this little flower and, like, accidentally, like, touching the nipple and be like, oh, my God. So I just just find it all fascinating. But I think we're really queasy about talking about it.
2: You can't just say, oh, there's a centimetre between being aroused and not being aroused and (laughs) one of the things I love so much about getting a massage is however much money it is for an hour and all I have to do is just relax and submit and be touched, and I don't have to reciprocate. Yeah. I'm not doing any kind of "Oh, are you bored now? Oh, it's my turn to go and yeah. do." And I think because I've got five younger sisters, my main memory <laughs> of you know growing up was like everything was shared, and there was never quite enough of anything. And you know, even like cuddles were finite because there was always someone like pushing off a lap, or you know that sort oh, yeah. of, or you couldn't relax into any sort of affection because you were always being jostled about for it and yeah I I think it comes back to what you were saying about that masturbating and and timing and you know feeling oh we must come quickly this to be able to just relax and take someone's love and time and touch without thinking how am I going to repay this how am I going to keep them interested to women don't get to do that ever and yeah, I do think that being infantilised, it's definitely the one kink that I can really, really understand. And I think it's really interesting that we're so much more comfortable making jokes about the sort of Fifty Shades of Grey, like, you know, spanking and whatever. Yeah. I know, you know, lots of people adore that and that is their thing. But that's almost like a sort of 70s joke suburban kink. Oh, everybody likes a bit of a slap. But then to say, yeah. no, I want to just be treated well with tender, loving kindness. That's like, yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah, but that's it's it's that weirdness, though, isn't it? It's like, oof, this is not all right to think about or admit to. Or, yeah, I I feel like that with the with just being cared for. I was thinking, (laughs) I loved just if I or when I was masturbating in my own time. With I guess having my daughter away for like a couple of days a week is also makes a difference. As in, our dad's not that. I just send her away so that I can masturbate. Just in my a premier but, Um Being able to think about what, <laughs> just being able to think about what comes into my head, and it was just depended on the day, of course. But if I'd had a day where I was totally caring for her, or it was only that, it was like either an optician, or it was like. A teacher with like somebody looking after me. Like they're definitely the main things that came into my head. And I think if I'd have thought that about 10 years ago, I would have weirdly been a bit disgusted by myself, or I'd made all these connections that just are not there. I remember one of my friends who's in the kink scene, she was like, That guy doesn't want to be a baby. He's not he doesn't like think he's a baby. He just likes the attention and the love that a baby gets. Like it's not, it's it's not weird like stop making out like these things are so weird or that yeah you couldn't possibly possibly relate to it in any way whatsoever the the giving thing as well the like guilt I had so much the idea and naturally it's definitely my current partner that I've like been work, working it through just the idea of like I oh, can stop now it's all right it's fine you can stop now it's like people get really horny giving pleasure. I get mm. really horny giving people pleasure. Like guys get really horny. Everyone gets horny. Not everyone, I'm sure. Some people don't, but I think most people, it re- real turn on, isn't it? To, and it's... to
2: desire, to someone, because you can't, you can't dissemble. You can't, I mean, of course, you can perform it. But when you know the thrill of being intimate with someone, you know, I was going to say someone you love, anyone, really, to know yeah. they're lost and the sounds they're making and the way they're moving. And it's not a kind of orchestrated, elegant kind of, you know, yes, I'm performing. It's a real, like, I am grunting and writhing and I have clearly completely (laughs) lost it or I'm losing it.
3: To get rid of that performance, I think, takes a lot, though. Yeah. Any, like, ingrained, it's so ingrained, like, how you should act during any sort of pleasurable sexual situation, I think, like, to get that out of my head. I think I'm still getting there. It's like, this doesn't, you don't have to make this noise, you don't have to do this, you don't have to look this way. Like, it's just, that's not the point of any... We're so aesthetic, aren't we? Like, we're so focused on the look of everything. I wonder whether as well,
2: you know, for anyone, you know, raised and socialised as a woman, I think this can be really universal, that the fear of intimacy and vulnerability, we we have grown up hearing, this is, fear it. This is how, if something bad's going to happen to you, it's going to be in this setting, And the, yeah, the relaxing and unwinding and losing of the self that needs to happen in order to come. And how hard it is to get out of your own head. Is that what you were talking about in terms of masturbating and fantasizing? Because I often, and the thing I love the most about it is as someone, it comes and it goes. But I have an anxiety disorder and I get incredibly anxious. And masturbating is, you know, one of the features. It's all getting a little bit much. I can really find this sort of this free headspace where i'm able to turn off the worst of my thoughts and i'm just kind of floating and all sorts of things That's are coming amazing. and sometimes i do catch myself and if i just come back to consciousness for a second i'm like what the hell was that like, i do <laughs> need to, to, to share I mean, nothing kind of cheap but as you say it's not you think oh it needs to be a sexy Hollywood leading man. It's like all of the Hemsworth brothers. Are like, no, it's odd people. Um Yeah, totally. I, and then... Over lockdown, I've had quite a lot of sex dreams about James Acaster because I've been listening to Off Menu a lot. I'm sure, I hope this doesn't get back to him. He's a handsome man, but not necessarily. Yeah. He's not a Hemsworth, exactly. He's not Sorry. who you're
3: told to fancy. Probably. Yeah,
2: he's um, <laughs> exactly that. But in the dreams... The sex isn't even, it's not that we have sex that I remember. It's more that there's a setting that I'm yeah. waiting doing oh, something. No. And he just sort of finds me and gives me a look, and it's like, you, me, it's on. I'm coming for you. And it's this absolute desire and absolute certainty, and to feel so holy, holy desired and the confidence that's what it takes i don't
3: get much (laughs) especially at the moment when you're sort of not seeing people and being looked at really by anyone i don't think in that well i live in a village so you sort of walk up and down the street and you could sort of forget that you exist until somebody actually passes by chance and sees you i think that's why i find it so aggravating how ridiculous I think we are about sex because, you know, imagination and fantasy and masturbating, like it's just all there, isn't it? It's just within your reach anytime you want. And it's so healthy and so good for you. I'm sure people will tell me there's unhealthy relationships you can have with that. But it amazes me how we're still demonizing it.
2: You know, you can have an unhealthy relationship with TV or lindal balls. anything that brings yeah pleasure.
3: the thing that I found weird like probably about two months ago so I've followed quite a lot of like sex positive families on Instagram and quite a lot of different well so-called sex positive Instagram accounts and I because of the book you get asked to you know get products sent to you and things like that which I don't tend to do maybe unless it's like A wine or something like that but I don't I don't think I've ever done like a gifted thing on Instagram not that I think it's a bad thing but there's quite a lot of sex toy companies now obviously that have been promoting female sexuality masturbation for for years and years and now seems to be coming much more to light like I see it a lot more and I'm so thankful that that is happening but about two months ago I started to get the same sort of guilt that I used to get about you know not finding a guy pumping on top of me three times that much of a turn on about vibrators. So I just kept seeing stuff about vibrators This, you know, this is Valentine's day. I'm staying home with my vibrator, all that stuff. I think it's brilliant, but I, I don't really like using them. There's like one that I like the rest is just, it's sort of like feels a bit scratchy and it's like too much. Mm. And I was like, Oh, like I've used them before sort of used to like it more I just gave this I bought this like massive what is it called the magic wand or whatever massive one that you use like over clothes Mm -hmm. it's just a big one and actually used it once and then gave it to my mate because it felt like it was just like rubbing the skin raw and it just wasn't pleasurable at all and then she was like "Fuck, this is amazing (laughs) thanks for that so giving it away but I had this weird guilt feeling maybe I'm a bit weird I don't really don't like the high setting on a vibrator at all like it's it makes my skin itchy I don't like it and then I was like oh my god Holly don't let this don't let the like you know this (laughs) side of sex and empowerment make you feel like now the only way that you should be having sex is with a really really powerful (laughs) vibrator it's like you finally realize that if you don't like this it's not you it's just just your body, like don't start thinking that.
2: I get it's like oh, it's another thing that people can make money from, and I think mm-hmm. it's a real swirling maelstrom of there is so much good being done, so much brilliant stuff for education. I'm so glad this is in the public eye, and I'm delighted. You I know, I'm delighted that you've not got to go to a scary shop in Soho that's all like dark windows and say hello, I'd like my butter, please and it's all like beautiful (laughs) beautiful flat lace and lily allen got a lovely one and it's all out in the open and i think that's fabulous but yeah equally i do like a vibrator i think the ones i use have been sent to me for various like magazine pieces i've written i have i have
3: got a couple of like vibrators that i like it's just it's just the high setting thing that Mm. i always think and i never really put them inside i don't i don't really like that but i do love it for that when I wanna use it with with my partner, basically. And I don't have to think about where I'm putting it Mm. quite so much because it's just stronger and easier. And I've got one, which I think is amazing that he bought for my birthday one year, he bought me like three different sex toys. And one of them is a vibrator, but turns your fingers into the vibrator because I really like the feel of skin. Um, and it's designed by this, it's a couple of women, and they put everything. I think it's like crowdfunder, so that nothing that women wouldn't want to get made gets made, mm. basically. Yeah, you hook it on your finger, and it turns your fingers into the vibrator. <laughs> I fucking love that. I've got to say, I love the feel of like oh, vibrating so skin. It's wicked. Well, my birthday is
2: coming up. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I've got, I've got a metal dildo, which is like my favorite thing to use if I'm on my own. And I don't even know why I like it, it's like weighted. One of my friends recommended it to me and I thought if it doesn't vibrate, I don't really see the point of it. And I got it and I don't know what it is about it, but I just absolutely love it. But it looks like a weapon. (laughs) My daughter found it by accident one day because I had washed it and put it on the sink and it's a pretty hefty, scary looking thing. So I think as open as I am, I told her that that was in case of intruders. It's oh, like
2: I mean, it probably um, would work very well.
3: It would work really well. And I keep it by my bed. is perfect. It's, it's perfect for a woman who lives on her
2: own. Because, like, I mean, I've never really tried a dildo. As you say, I've always thought, surely it's like, I don't know, it's like cassettes. That' are bothering anymore. We have the technology. But I'm intrigued by the <laughs> idea of it being weighted. Yeah,
3: so it's really cold, which I quite like, but you can heat it up. But I really like... St- stuff like that i've realized stuff like temperature i really like if it's if it's well just a temperature that's not normal yeah. body temperature i guess really like it and i really like fabrics and that i think that kind of lesson of clothing that you're meant to fantasize about wearing i think that's amazing to even i re- i just like practicing on my own before i like go into a public space with my sexuality I guess which I think is why masturbation is so important important to put first like even now with a very open relationship with my partner if I think I want to try something I'll often like try out on myself first in like the safety and non-vulnerability of my own room
2: that's something I think is so important and I'm really surprised we don't talk about that more that masturbating isn't just you know it's not making do it's a whole separate thing that can really enhance any sex you do have, because I, you know, I'm married, but I still masturbate fairly regularly, usually when I can't sleep. Yeah. Sometimes, weird, I've never said this before, Um, <laughs> I felt over like, lockdown and I was watching a lot of Selling Sunset, which isn't a show that I necessarily find sexy, neither sexy yeah. nor unsexy. Was it really like numbing <laughs> out, watching a sort of fully brain-dead TV and using a vibrator normally like over my jeans? And it just finding it all kind of intensely relaxing that this awful, brilliant TV show was just, it was just one step up from watching nothing. You know, it engaged my brain in the slightest and vaguest way, but it's just everything I needed to really zone out and sort of like refresh. And it was quite nourishing to be just away from the world for an hour or so. Well, that's it as well. It's just relaxing as well, isn't it?
3: It's just such a nice thing to be able to do. I find, I I don't know if I could ever orgasm with my eyes open.
2: Mm, <laughs> i like sure on not sure with your mouth open. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Exactly. I just not. I'm. I don't think I've. I don't really kiss with my eyes open. I don't. I don't find that a turn on. Really at all, and actually, I remember writing a, a poem once about the biggest turn on being like looking at somebody. But that was writing from a point of view of what I thought should be a turn on. I now realise because I, I hate staring at somebody <laughs> like that, and I see that in films a lot. And I questioned that for a while. God, are you a bit weird? And I sort of practiced even trying to masturbate with my eyes open. I just don't. I just don't get into it in the same way at all. I don't.
2: I love, I love that now you know tried and tested
3: now I know and don't feel you know ridiculous about it and fabrics and stuff and yeah and just just certain sort of sexy clothing it's like oh well I know that I really like the feel of a warm blanket but not a fleece blanket but like a fluffy blanket Do you know what I mean mm. just certain things and also to stop questioning why but like seeing kids play and bring up a kid and all the, the games that kids play that are so closely related to a lot of sort of kink games or sexy games but just without that side of things it's like I don't know where any of these thoughts come from you know maybe it does come from playing like dogs in the playground or babies with your friends or like you know I don't I don't know whatever like the amount of imaginary games that children play I've had to be a dog for like five years and like walk around the room on the horse and like jump through hoops and stuff. And I think I used to question like even saying to my, I I hate the word partner, actually. I really hate it. So I'm going to say boyfriend, even though that might make me sound like 12. But saying to him like, please, can you like stroke my hair? Just because you know that you like the feeling without Mm. questioning why the hell you want someone to do something to you. Like it's all right if you're both up for it and you think it's nice then that is fine whatever the amount of questioning I think I think I've done it's really interesting that you say about being married because I don't live with my boyfriend and we often talk like I'll not always but tell him if I've like masturbated sometimes or I remember phoning him up from a hotel room once because I'd come against the sides of a curved desk because I was so horny at this conference so it was that and then sort of just stood by the desk by accident and was like oof just just I don't find movement that sexy sometimes just like something still I guess that's why this weighted dildo is probably quite good because something like pressing against that I find very sexy and having a relationship where I can phone him up and tell him and be excited and he might, you know, get excited or he might just laugh or, or or whatever. I think it's so good. And a lot of friends I've got, the ones in relationships, not always, but they tend to sort of masturbate in secret. Like if the husband's away or they're, you know, stay-at-home mum or they're just, you know, working from home and they're not or whatever. But there seems a lot of secrecy as if sort of that relationship with your own body is somehow because either you don't want him as much or your partner as much yes it's it's odd like I don't want to give up that relationship now I
2: think we've got a lot of education do before we can do that en masse
3: and a lot do you know a lot of celebration Mm. I think as well I think that's one thing that we we don't have a lot like we've got a lot at the moment like well this you know this portion of women probably won't come like this and look at the and now finding out you know how big the clitoris or the clitoral bulbs might get pushed at the entrance to the vagina and that can be a you know all this sort of stuff Um, But I think I was really taught that my anatomy just wasn't quite as good as the male anatomy or as somebody with a penis. I just thought you don't orgasm as easily or you don't, which is also really rubbish. Um, It's just not true. Like so many people have different experiences in that sense. But I just think it's amazing now. And stuff to do with penetration, like every time I say something that's as if like penetrative sex is not the be all and end all, It's not that I don't also love it. I actually find it amazing that you've got all of those options that you can, you know, I can masturbate in certain ways and you can add penetration and then it's bloody amazing. But without the other stuff to me, it's just like nothing, but with it, it's fucking great. Like I, (laughs) I think that's what like this sort of celebration of, of our anatomies, anyone's anatomy really to turn yourself on so much and to get that much pleasure is is brilliant it's just so Um, thrilling that there are yeah i think there should be home
2: and that we're all different
3: and that we can start like start talking about it more openly i do think social media is bloody good for that
2: actually holly i kind of want this to be a whole spin-off podcast series and i want to talk (laughs) to you about sex for an hour every week forever (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. I'm still so grateful for Holly's generosity. Just as she does in her poems, she has shared so much and given me so much comfort, reassurance and joy. The conversation around masturbation is so, so dear to my feminist heart. I think Holly is sparking a solo love revolution and I want to be in the vanguard. Follow Holly on social media at Holly Poetry. Pre-order your signed copy of Slug from Waterstones before they sell out. It's coming in May. And look out for tour dates. If we can go and see Holly, I will see you in the front row. Thank you so much for listening to Daisy is Insatiable. The podcast is produced by Dale Shaw for New Alaska and hosted by ACAST with special thanks to Sphere. My novel, Insatiable, a love story for greedy girls, is published by Sphere and it's out now. It's available in hardback and from all online bookshops as well as Amazon, where you can find the ebook and the audio book read brilliantly by Charlie Clive. I leave you with this from Mae West. Sex is emotion in motion. Join me next time for more source sex and secrets on Daisy is Insatiable.